I could theoretically speak about Purim and almost speak about the same theme weeks in a row and say different things every time I spoke, which is an amazing thing because Purim is one Purim. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, one, it's one Chag with one purpose. But there are so many different aspects and so many different things to, to understand in Purim. I want to take you on a little bit of a, of a dance tonight. I want to go around a little bit in a, in a few places to, to come to what I think is an important understanding of Purim, one of the important themes of Purim. I'll tell you one of the things that I've noticed in Purim. What happens is, is that Purim gets plugged in. In other words, we come to shul, Megillah starts, and as soon as the Megillah starts, Purim just takes on a life of its own. And you have the things that you do, and you give your shalach manas, and then you go to, you know, you, you, you go to the suda, and you do, you run around, you watch, you watch kids in the street, and you get a, a real, and that's, and that's Purim. And you ask a person, did you have a good Purim? The person says, yeah, I had a good Purim. Usually what that means is, is that I wasn't harassed by too many drunk people. Nothing in my house broke, and, and nobody threw up in my house. That's a good Purim. That's a good Purim. That's a safe Purim. Baruch Hashem, you made it through. But it's not a good Purim. What's a good Purim? What are we supposed to be thinking on Purim? What are we supposed to be feeling on Purim? Now, I understand that Purim is a difficult day. It's a busy day. It's an entire day's worth of activity. But there's got to be five minutes on Purim that we can take a moment during Kriyasa Megillah, during Davening, during the Suda. Five minutes where we can take a moment and just process and say to ourselves, what are we meant to be feeling now? To touch that, to, 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 to feel it, and then to, to uplift and to enhance Purim itself. The beginning of the Megillah tells us that, I've spoken about this before, but tonight I'm going to, to speak about it in a completely different context. But in the beginning of the Megillah, the Megillah tells us that Achashverosh ruled over 127 provinces. And it says he ruled from Hodu to Kush. The Gemara has a conversation, as a discussion, as to what exactly, when it says Hodu and Kush, where were Hodu and Kush? And the first opinion in the Gemara says that Hodu and Kush was Me'olamiyad Sofa, was one end of the world to the other end of the world. Which means, to give us the impression, that Achashverosh ruled over the entire world. But the second opinion says that Hodu to Kush was really Gabi Adadi Ninu, that they were really next door to each other. So you have to wonder, and you have to wonder this, by the way, in every part of your life, whenever there are two conflicting opinions, you have to ask yourself the question, what are they arguing about? They're never arguing about this one says it's okay and this one says it's not okay. They're never arguing about this one says it's mutter, this one says it's asr. They're arguing about some fundamental thing that is manifesting itself in this is permissible and this is prohibited. And therefore you have to, you have to ask yourself that question whenever there's a machlokas, when you have a machlokas with another person, whenever there's a disagreement and a dispute, you have to ask what are we really arguing about? What's the nekuda? What's the point that we're arguing? What are they arguing about? One says that, that Hodu and Kush were next door to each other. One says that they were from one end of the world to the other. You can certainly look at a map and you can see where Hodu and Kush was. And if that's the case, then is it a machlokas bin Metzias? Are they just arguing about the reality of what was the reality? Why would there be such a machlokas? So the Sashalom of Bells 
says something absolutely amazing. The Sasholim of Bell says that Hodu and Kush represent two types of existence. Hodu, from the word Hod, glory, beauty, light, and the word Kush, from darkness. There are two ways to exist in this world. There are people that exist in the world of Hodu, in the world where everything is beautiful and light and wonderful, in the world where you can see the glory of Hashem, where everything is just amazing. And there are people that live in Kush, people that live in absolute, abject darkness. Now those that live in Kush very often are envious of those that live in Hodu. Very often they look at Hodu and they say, I wish I could be in that place. I want to be in that place. I want to be in a place that my life is filled with glory. I want to be in a place where my life is filled with light. I just want to be there. But it's misayfa elam v'yad It's too far away. It's from one end of the world to the other. I just can't, I can't get that far. I can't travel that far. I can't lift myself up that way. I don't, I don't have the ability to be able to traverse the distance between Hodu and Kush. V'chad Omar, the other side of the coin says, what are you talking about? It's really just Gabi Hadadi Ninu. That there really is no distance between Hodu and Kush. And that to get from Kush to Hodu, to get from darkness to light, to get from the most difficult places in life to the most glorious places in life, to see ourselves uplifted, to see ourselves transformed and changed, it's not so difficult because it's really next to each other. You know, we say on Purim, we say, I'm sorry, the Pasuk says, Ki karve ma'od that it's really very close to us. It's it's in your mouth and in your heart to do it. It's right there. You know, in Purim we say, we translate that always as it's chayiv, the person is obligated to drink on Purim. To get to the point that Adela Yoda, to get to the point that he doesn't know the difference between Arur Haman and Baruch Mordechai. Now there are those that explain when it says Chayivinish libesume bepuria, it doesn't mean that a person has to actually drink on Purim, but it means that even if you do drink, that a person has to really exude. A person has to become intoxicated with the idea that it doesn't make a difference whether it's Baruch or Aror, whether you're living in a world of Aror or a world of darkness, or whether you're living in a world of Baruch, whether you're living in Hodu or whether you're living in Kush, that really there is no difference between them. And it's Gabi Hadadi Ninu. They're really just next door to each other. So the question, of course, is how do we get to that place? How do we get to the place of realization that there really is no distance between Ur and Baruch? And that we can actually go from Kush to Hodu, from zero to 60, in one sweet day. Let's take a look at that. There is another very interesting machlokas about the Megillah. Our rabbis argue, what do you have to read to be Yotze the mitzvah of reading the Megillah? Now, the obvious answer is, what do you have to read? The Megillah. 
right? You got to read the whole thing. Start from the beginning, finish at the end, and you'll see amazing things. But that's not poshid in the Gemara. There is one opinion that says, Rabbi Meir says that we read the whole thing, and that's, of course, the way we paskin. But there is, Rabbi Yehuda says that we read it from Ish Yehudi. When we introduce Mordechai into the picture, so then that's when you really have to read the Megillah, from, e, from Ish Yehudi. Because there, when Mordechai comes in, Ish Yehudi, that's when the whole thing starts to cook up. The beginning, when we're talking about, we're talking about Vashti and, and you're being killed, it's not really, it's, it's great, but it's not really so important. What's really germane to the story is to see Mordechai enter in and then to see where Mordechai goes. The Rabbi Yossi says that it's Achra Dvar Meila, that it's later in the story that you start to read. And then comes along, comes along the, the fourth Mandamer, and the fourth Mandamer says that we read it, Rabbi Shimba Yochai says we read it from Balai Lahahu. In other words, when Achashverosh couldn't sleep, and he had that really bad night, and he was trying to figure out, did he, did he leave out somebody? That's where you got to start reading, because that's where really everything cooked up. That's where the whole story began. There even, there, there are Bali Kriya, there is a minig, that when you lay and you get to that point of, of, of Balayla, who, that you read that with, a, with a, an embellished kind of, of tone, an embellished kind of, of nusach, that it's to point, to point that out, because that's like the turning point of everything. So again, let's ask the question that we ask whenever there's a machlokas, a four-way machlokas here. You have to ask, what are you arguing about? Don't tell me that they're arguing about where you start reading the Megillah. That's not the argument. That's what it manifests itself in. But what are they really arguing about? So what they're arguing about is, is that if the purpose of the Megillah is to be able to be mefarsim the nes, to be able to publicize the miracle, and to see the miracle, how are you going to see this miracle most clear? We know that one of the objectives is to understand what is said in the towards the end of the Megillah, that v'nahafochu, that everything was turned around. Whatever started out in one way turned around to another way. How are you best going to see that? How are you best going to see that Mordechai was meant to be killed and Haman ended up hanging on the very tree that he wanted to kill Mordechai on? That those were derided the Jews who were derided ended up being the coveted people. And that everybody wanted to be misyadim, everybody wanted to attach themselves in the end to the Jewish people. That Shushan was described as a city of mourning. And in the end, Shushan was described as a city of joy. That the fasters became the defenders. That every single part of this story, and if you set that, by the way, as an exercise for yourself, just look at the Megillah with all the vinafochus, all the flip-arounds in the Megillah of everything that started one way and ended up a completely different way. You will come up with amazing, it's not one, five, seven things. You'll come up with an amazing amount of things that were one way. You see that, that Haman used runners and letters in order to be able to destroy the Jewish people. And in the end, Mordechai used runners and letters in order to be able to, to, to let, let it be known of the joy and the glory of the Jewish people. Every single step of the way you see v'nafochu. And what the machlokes, what the argument is, is how can you best see v'nafochu? How can you best see that in the Megillah? If you start, do you need to start from the beginning? Can you start from other places and still be able to see v'nafochu? And clearly, the halacha follows Rabbi Meir that says that you really have to read the whole thing. 
Because you've got to get the full perspective from the beginning to the end to be able to appreciate v'nahafochu. You have to be able to appreciate that turnabout. The, the Mabim's commentary is that they, they even they printed it and they printed it under the name of turnabout because that's really the essence of the entire story. It's all about turnabout. And I'm sure everybody knows this, that it's all about v'nahafochu. But now you've got to ask the million-dollar question. Really? The whole thing is just to notice v'nafochu? It's just to notice that things that started this way end up that way? Why do you need a Megillah for that? Look at your own lives. Everything's v'nafochu. Many people here are olim. Yeah, there ain't a bigger v'nafochu than that. You started in one place, and you ended up in a completely different place. And, and you haven't even ended up yet. You're still going. And the v'nafochu is constant. Could that be what we're really trying to achieve? That we're trying to achieve just the realization that v'nafochu, that things flip around? So I think we have to understand what really is v'nafochu. And what v'nafochu is much deeper than what we, than what we imagine. And what v'nafochu is, is the realization that what we think is a cause is really an effect. And what we think is an effect is really a cause. That we think that there are certain things that happen. They happen, they're outgrowths of, of, of events. And they just happen to happen. They didn't just happen to happen. That was the reason why all the events took place was to achieve that, that end result. Let's take a look. There is an amazing gra. We know that Haman was hung on the 17th of Nisan. Mordechai waited before he sent out letters. He waited until the 23rd of Sivan. For 70 days, Mordechai waited to let them know that they were going to be able to defend themselves, to let them know that they were going to be able to, to fight against the Persians that were going to come against them. Why did Mordechai wait 70 days? So says the Gra, because the Mordechai wanted them, he recognized that the davening that they were doing was so powerful, and therefore that 70 days was going to be mechaper, it was going to atone for the 70 years of Gullus that they were in. They were nearing the end of the 70-year exile between the first temple and the second temple. And Mordechai saw that we needed to be mechaper for that. And these tefillahs were such incredible tefillahs. Remember, there were no sacrifices. Sacrifices had ended with the destruction of the first temple. What stands in the place of sacrifices? What stands in the place of sacrifices is tefillahs. That, our, that our, our mouths, our words, are really in place of those, of those animals that we sacrificed. But that's when our words are powerful, when our words are clear. And that's when Mordechai saw that they were davening in such a way and they were relating to God in such a way that he couldn't stop them because he knew that these tefillahs were going to be the tefillahs that were going to bring the geulah. Because these tefillahs were like korbanos, they were like sacrifices. So you have to look at that grow very carefully. Because what the Vilna Gaon is saying 
is that with Haman's death, the decree against the Jews ended. But Mordechai knew how powerful these tefillahs were, that these tefillahs were mima'amakim, because they were in the place of sacrifices and they wanted them to be able to complete the 70 so they could get out of Gullus and have the Mikdash return. And what the Gra is implying is that the whole Gezeira happened for the Tfilis to end Gullus. That why was it that Haman, that the Jews deserved Kaliyah to be destroyed? Why was it that Haman was Laharig Lahashmanul Abed? Why we stood on the precipice of being completely obliterated out of this world was because those tefillahs were necessary to get us out of Gullus. It's not that those tefillahs happened as an outgrowth of all the suffering we went through. We offered nice tefillahs, but because we needed to offer these tefillahs, we went through the suffering. What the Vilna God is telling us is, is what is v'nafoichu? V'nafoichu doesn't just mean that everything got turned around. It was going in this direction, now it's in that direction. V'nafoichu means that what you thought was just a simple outgrowth of a situation was the very reason why the situation happened. And that the davening is not the result. The davening was the reason that we went through all that suffering. Let's take that a little bit further. The Megillah tells us that what happens at the end, La Yehudim Hoysa Ora V'Simcha V'Sosayin V'Kair. Pasuk well known to everybody. We're going to learn a little bit later on Motsoi Shabbos. We say this by Havdalah. It's an important Pasuk in our lives. What a Chazal tell us that that Pasuk means? La Yehudim Hoysa Ora which means that after this whole story, when we came back to God and we came back to Torah, we rejuvenated and we got back our Torah, our Yontif, our Shabbos, our Mila, our Tfilin. So you have to ask the million dollar question. So then why not just say that? Laihudim Haisa Taira Shabbos Viyantif Mila and Tfilin. What are you talking code? What are you talking? Oh, Ora Simcha. Oh, you know what Ora means? Ora really means Torah. And you know what Simcha means? What are you talking to code for? Say it like it is. That Laihudim Haisa Torah Yantif. Mila, Tefillin. So I once saw something very beautiful. You can't compare Torah to Aira. You can't compare Simcha to Shabbos and Yontif. You can't compare Mila to Sason. You can't compare Tefillin to Vayikar. In other words, it's very possible to have Torah. But it's, a, it's an added thing to be able to have Ora be able to have light. Torah is beautiful. But until the lights are on, it's Torah. It's not Torah. Bris. It's bris milah. It's an action. We do it. We cut. We do. We make that. We, 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 we do the mitzvah. 
But that's very different when we put something inside of it and it becomes sussing. That Shabbos and Yontif, we can keep Shabbos and Yontif. We can observe Shabbos and Yontif. But when we put something inside of it, that very Shabbos and Yontif becomes Simcha. And what the Megillah is telling us is, is that it's not just that we got back all of these things, but what the Megillah is telling me is, is that we now had not just Torah, but we had Aira. And that's why I can't just use the words, La'yuhudimaisa Torah, Yontif, Mila, and, and uh, Itfilin, because it needed to tell me that we had something much more powerful. That now we had something that was Vinahafaychu. And let's take a look. Because this outcome from each one of them, it wasn't just the outcome. It was the root cause. That why did we go through this whole story of Purim? So that we can emerge with Torah, Aira, Sasan, and Yikar. With Aira, Simcha, Sasan, and Yikar. Let's take a look at Torah. So I'll tell you an amazing thing. We know that the first base of Mikdash was the, that, that in, the, in the first base of Mikdash, and up until the, the time of the second base of Mikdash, so then that was really all about Torah Sav. Now I understand there was Torah Shabbat it was developing and all that, but the real development of Torah Shabbat took place in the second, in the second base of Mikdash, and after the second base of Mikdash. That the, the recording of the, the, the recording of the Mishnah, the recording of the Talmud, the, the really the putting together of all of that, the working out and the fleshing out of the Tarashibh Sav, all of that took place in the second bias. Now we know that by Matan Torah we were given that we were given the Torah, and the Torah tells us that what did we say when God gave us the Torah? We said Nasev and Ishma which was an amazing thing. God said, who revealed the secret to my, to, to my people that they would know how to say Nasev and Ishma. It was considered like awesome that we said Nasev and Ishma. The only problem is whenever you tell over the story of, 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 of Matan Torah and you tell that part of it, most people leave out the second part of it. And the second part of it is, is that God took the mountain, held it over, the, uh, over our heads, and he said, He held a mountain over our heads like a barrel. Now, and, and he said to us that if you take the Torah good, and if you don't take the Torah, Shan take for Aschem, this is going to be your burial place. Now, wait a second. I don't understand. We think that Nasev and Ishma was such an amazing thing, an amazing moment, that we do it. Free will, love, that we took, this, we, we took this Torah from God. We forget that. Wait a second. You had a mountain holding all over your heads. And we were told that if you take the Torah good, and if you don't take the Torah, this is going to be Shan take for Aschem, this is going to be a burial place. Who wouldn't take the Torah? Is there a person in the world that God would come hold the mountain over his head and says, you want the Torah? Ah, let me think about it. <laughs> no one's going to think about it. It's possible you're going to take it. So why was that considered such an amazing thing of Nasev and Ishmael when it was Kafalim HaKagigas? So to fix this stira of why we needed both Nasev and Ishmael and Kafalim HaKagigas, there are those that want to answer that one of them Nasev and Ishma was for Torah Shebechsav, for the written Torah. And Kofaleim HaKigigis was for Torah Shebaal Peh. Why did I need Kofaleim HaKigigis for Torah Shebaal Peh? Because I needed that sense of responsibility. The mountain being held over my head wasn't a threat per se. The mountain over my head 
held, held over my head made me realize that I have an achrayas, I have a responsibility to this. That this is something that is serious. It's not something when, when my love is not, is not rolling, when I'm not feeling that, I need to have a sense of this is something that I need to do. And that sense comes from Kofaleim HaKagigas. However, there's a problem with Kofaleim HaKagigas. And the problem with that mountain is, is that there's a Maidah Rabba that there really is a claim of coercion that we could say, look, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't buy into this. I was forced into this. I don't really want this. But in order for Teresh Pet to take place, what was going to have to happen is we were going to have to completely dedicate ourselves to the Torah, to learning Torah, to studying Torah, to living Torah, in order to be able to, to have that Teresh Pet emerge out of that Teresh And if that's the case, we needed to remove that Meidah Rabba Le'iraisa. Because when we accepted the Torah the first time, we accepted that Torah out of Yira, we accepted it out of fear, out of awe of God. But now we needed to accept the Torah strictly out of love. Because the love would remove, would get rid of, be mevatel. It would nullify that Meidah Rabbah, that sense of that I have this responsibility, I have this, this all laying, lying, lying over my head. I needed now just to be filled with a sense of love. And that's why, what was the end result of the story of Purim? The Megillah says, Kimu v'kiblu. And our rabbis say, what's Kimu v'kiblu? Kimu, Kimu v'kiblu, Masha Kiblu Kfar. That we now re-accepted what we accepted once. What did we accept once? We accepted the Torah, but we accepted it out of Yira. And now we're accepting the Torah out of Ava. Now we're accepting the Torah out of love. Now I was ready for the next thing that was going to happen. Now I was cleansed from those 70 years. Now I was ready to start the next stage of my existence as a people, which was now to develop this Torah Shabbat Peh and to let this Torah Shabbat Peh, this oral Torah, to flourish. And therefore we understand that why did Purim happen? And why did all the suffering happen? And why did all the danger happen? V'na'afaychu, to get that Hadar Kiblua, to get that re-acceptance of the Torah out of Ava, out of love. That acceptance of Torah out of love that the Megillah tells us about, that wasn't the result. That was the reason. It was the whole Seba, was the whole reason why we went through the story of Purim, was so that we can emerge with a Torah that was Oira, that we can emerge with a Torah that was filled with light, so that we can now go on to the next stage, the stage of Tarsha Peh. Let's take a look at Shabbos and Yontif. That we know, so we know that the king said when, his, when he, was, he was drunk, after seven days, on the seventh day, when he was, when he was inebriated, so he said to bring Vashti Amalka in front of the Melech, Malchus. And what do our rabbis say? Shabbos Hoyom. That was on Shabbos. What does that mean that was on Shabbos? That because we understand that when it says Kitov on the seventh day, the seventh day was not just a seventh day, not just the seventh day of the party, the seventh day was on Shabbos. And it sounds like 
that the result of Shabbos was that we were Zoha, we merited to have the nace of Harigas Vashti, of the killing of Vashti. As it says, on the seventh day, Ketov Lev HaMelech. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you look through the Megillah, make sure you know that the word HaMelech not only means Achashverosh, but the word HaMelech, when it appears in the Megillah, is talking about God. And that's how we understand that God is on every single page of the Megillah. Even though his name doesn't appear once in the Megillah. You will find a few references that there is a Pasuk, four, four, psukim, four words in a row. The first word starts with a Yud, the second word starts with a He, the third word with a Vav, and the fourth one with a He, so that you see God's name in the Megillah. But God is signed all over that Megillah, because when you read the word HaMelech, Kitoiv Lev HaMelech Biyayin, that means that the Lev of the Melech, of God himself, was good because of Yayin. Which Yayin, say to Mepharshim? The Yayin of Kiddush and Avdallah. The yayin that we use to make Kiddush, that was the reason, it seems, that that was the reason why all these miracles happened. And that why the, the beginning of the miracle, which was the death of Vashti, why that could happen. And it happened on a Shabbos, what would seem as, again, bischus in the merit of the Kiddush that we made. But let's take a look at it a little bit deeper. Because we say, that we say in the Pasuk, in the Torah, that the purpose of Shabbos, the purpose of, of contemplating Shabbos, of making Kiddush, is to know that I am God that's, that, that sanctifies you. So, God says to Moshe, I have a beautiful gift. I have a beautiful gift in my storehouse. And the name of that gift is called Shabbos. I want to give it to the Jewish people. Go tell the Jews about Shabbos. So they ask the question about that. It's beautiful, right? God says, I got this great gift I want to give to the Jewish people. Every mitzvah that he gave us is a gift. Tefillin is a gift. Every mitzvah is a gift. Every Shabbos, every Yontif, every opportunity to do a chesed, the mitzvah of tzedakah, everything he gives me is a gift. What do you mean that I have a beautiful gift in my storehouse that I want to give to the Jewish people? So this is unbelievable. The Abderav says, that the Pasuk says, Ki lekach tov nosati lochem. Ki lekach tov. A good, a good thing, nosati, I have given to you. Now, a lekach sounds like something kach, something you have to work for, something you have to buy. Nosati is something I give you as a gift. Says the Abderov that you can look at mitzvahs, and most mitzvahs are lekach. Most things we have to work for, and we get them. There has to be isarusa dilatata, there has to be something down here that brings a force from above, that brings a kedusha, that brings a sanctity, brings a blessing from above. But there's one mitzvah that, Nosati, there's one mitzvah that I gave you without you having to do anything. And that's the mitzvah of Shabbos. That the mitzvah of Shabbos is, 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 comes through matana. And that's what God said to Moshe, I have a good present. Everything else is a mekach. But Shabbos, Shabbos is a matana. There's only one small problem. If Shabbos is a matana, and Shabbos comes without me having to do anything, then why do I need to make Kiddush? 
why do I need to be Makadesh Shabbos? Comes Friday afternoon, 5.37, or whatever that time is, you could be standing on your head. It's not going to make a difference. It's Shabbos. Why is there an obligation for me to be Makadesh, to be, for me to be Makadesh Shabbos? Because even though the Kedusha of Shabbos comes on its own, says the Abderav, we need to make a preparation. Even though by other mitzvahs, you must make a preparation to get that Kedusha. By Shabbos also, even though it's a matana, and to be able to get the, this matana toiva, we have to make ourselves into a receptacle. We have to make ourselves ready to be able to receive that gift that God is going to give us. The gift is going to come for nothing. But we have to make ourselves ready to be able to receive that. Kiddush is given to us. Kiddush is commanded to us to create a base kibble, to create a receptacle so that we're filled with schus, we're filled with these merits. And that zechus, that merit, is what got Vashti killed on that Shabbos and got the whole story rolling and brought the geula. You see, but we think that this power, this zechus, is really the outcome of Kiddush. It's not the outcome of Kiddush. It's the reason why we were commanded in the first place to be Makade Shabbos. So that Kiddush should give us that kind of kayach, that kind of schus, that when it's needed, we could use that to destroy the kayachs in the world that were trying to destroy us, that Vashti could be destroyed, so that ultimately Haman could be destroyed, and ultimately we could be restored back into the Mikdash. Kiddush was given thousands of years before in order to be able to create that zechus, to create that merit inside of us that we could then go and accomplish those things. V'na'afoichu, what you think is the effect of Kiddush is really the power, it's really the reason, and that we needed that power and therefore Kiddush was created. It's interesting, that's why I might see Shabbos. We say the Pasuk, we have a minute to say the Pasuk, like Yehuda Maisa'ira v'simcha v'sasen v'ikar. What are you saying that Motzi Shabbos for? Because we're remembering that the Kayach of this Shabbos that I just kept and the Kiddush that I made in the beginning and the Kiddush that I made at the end, the Havdalah, that Zichus that was created to give me a power for when it's needed, for when the time comes that that's needed to save Klal Yisrael, that that Zichus, that power is going to be there. V'na'afoichu is the realization that what you thought was the cause is really the effect. And what you thought was the effect is really the cause. Let's take a look at one more thing, tefillin. We know by tefillin that a Kodesh Baruch who wears tefillin. The Gemara says that just like we wear tefillin, just like we do mitzvah, Kodesh Baruch does also. Now, there raises a lot of questions of exactly, I want to know who's the person that has the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, contract to make God's tefillin because that person's going to be loaded because it's a lot of leather. 
what does that mean? That Kodesh Baruch Hu, he wears tefillin. We, we believe Ein Lo Demusaguf. It doesn't have a body. So there's no tefillin. Plus, it's a weird. Because what does it say in my tefillin? In my tefillin it says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Echad. Now that'd be a little weird to be in God's tefillin. Shema, <laughs> pay attention to this. Hashem Echad. That's just weird. So Chazal tells us, you know what's in God's tefillin? In God's tefillin's Mika Amcha Yisrael Gayachad Ba'aretz. Who is like your nation Israel? A singular nation in this world. That I make God one in my tefillin, and God makes me one in his tefillin. And when it says God wears tefillin, what God is doing is he's mirroring me. I'm attaching myself to him. God is attaching himself to me. Chazal tell us that when we're in Golis, we're in exile, God can't put on his tefillin. Kalani Mirashi, Kalani Zrai, that my head hurts, my arm hurts. What is that? That's a Kodesh Baruch who's saying that I'm in such pain. When I see Klal Yisrael suffering this way, I'm in pain. I can't connect myself to them in the way that I want to. There's a distance between me and them. We think that Tfilin, we think that Yikar was the end result of all the suffering. No, to have Yikar, to have a Tfilin that becomes an attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that he, through that, can attach himself to us, is the very reason why everything was happening. And this is what the Gra is telling us is the power of V'na'afoichu, why I need to see V'na'afoichu in that Megillah. It's not just to see how things started in one way and ended in another way, but it's to understand that the whole reason why things are happening is to get that result. And that's the koyach of v'nahafochu. The realization what you think is just a random result is actually the reason why things are happening in our lives. You didn't end up in kush. You didn't end up in darkness as a result of the things that you've done. But you needed to be in kush. You needed to be in that darkness so that you can realize how close it is to hodu. Gabi Haddadi Ninu, that it's not so far. It's not It's not from one end of the world to the other, but it's actually next door. And in truth, it's, re- it's really one in the same. That you have to come to the realization that your darkness is really your light that your kush is really your hodu. That the things that you think are dragging you down are actually the places that you can grow the most. And that when you realize that they're really next to each other, when you realize that which you thought was an outgrowth, is not an outgrowth, but it's the reason why things are happening. It is what needs to be there so that you can pull out of yourself an incredible amount of growth when you realize that everything that's happening in your life is happening because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to be that way so that you can reach magnificence. There's an incredible line in Chazal. Chazal say that why were all the mothers barren? 
because HaKadosh Baruch Hu was misavalit filosin shal tzaddikim. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu desired the prayers of the righteous. Think about that for a second. You make them suffer? You make them suffer this terrible way of not having children? Of barrenness? Just because you like them to daven? That almost sounds sadistic. It almost sounds, it sounds cruel. No, because the Kodesh Baruch Hu understands that it's through the suffering that they're going to come to this great place and therefore the suffering becomes critical to be able to create that place. The suffering is what creates them into who they are. And therefore, Kodesh Baruch Hu's misave, he desires that their hoidu and their kush is really one and the same. It's because in their darkness... That's the place they turn. They don't turn to anger. They don't turn to other things. They turn to God. Then that kush is really a hodu. When we hear those words in the Megillah, that Achashverosh ruled, we should take a second right there, a second, a split second, to remember that my hodu is my kush. My darkness is really my light. And that throughout the celebration of Purim, I have to remember that however difficult it is outside, however dark my life might be, it's really my light. It's really my aura. It's really the thing that illuminates my existence. My hoidu, my kush is really my hoidu. And when I recognize that, then open your eyes and you will see Haidu everywhere. You will see Haidu in everything, in every toxic person, in every difficult situation, in every, in every moment of pressure, you'll be able to open your eyes and to see that's my Haidu. It's not my Kush. And when we can when we can get ourselves to that place, that's when we ultimately reach this place of la Yehudim haisa oira v'simcha v'sasayin v'yakar, and as we say on Moitzi Shabbos, kain tia lanu. It should be like that for us in every day of our existence. Thank you very much.